0: Interviews are tough because as you're listening, and that's the key ingredient is to shut up and listen. But as you're listening, you're like, ooh, I got to ask them about this. And so now you're trying to remember that follow-up question while you're still listening. And then all of a sudden they say something else and you're like, oh, wait, now I have two things I have to remember. Wait, what did they just say? So there's this giant scramble going on in your brain. So the blank piece of paper is to simply write down a word that will trigger me for the follow-up question so I can get back to that most important thing, which is just listening.
1: Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast, and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up my friend because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. Welcome my friend back to the podcast interview mastery show. I'm super grateful for you tuning into this podcast today. I really hope that today's episode is going to be highly valuable to you. But before we dive in, I wanted to mention that I've created a Facebook group called the Podcast Interview Nation Community, where we can support each other along the way to the top. If you feel inspired to join this community of dedicated podcast hosts who are serious about their show and aiming to become world-class, Join the community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview nation. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview nation. I'm more than excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And now let me introduce today's guest. So today I am joined by none other than the legendary Dave Jackson, who began podcasting in 2005 and launched the School of Podcasting. His school of podcasting show has over 2.5 million downloads. He has helped hundreds of people plan, launch, and grow their podcast. He's the author of the book Profit From Your Podcast and is a featured speaker at events. On top of all that, in 2018, he was inducted into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. At the beginning of today's episode, we talk about the most common struggles podcasters have when it comes to interviews, how to choose your best guests by knowing who your audience is, the importance of the first question in an interview, and why some guests don't answer the questions you ask and what to do about it. In the middle of the episode, we talk about the flexibility and freedom that editing gives you when it comes to creating a better audio experience for your listeners. We talk about interview preparation, how much Dave thinks podcasters should prepare for an interview. We discuss the importance of quality versus quantity, and the skills of a good podcast host. Closer to the end, we talk about some of Dave's most current excitements and his upcoming book, Profit From Your Podcast. In the end, Dave shares his motivations and what keeps him going in the podcasting world after 15 years. If you want to find out more about today's guest and check out the free resources, interview tips, book recommendations, and detailed show notes, simply head over to our website, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview. And so without any further ado, let's welcome today's incredible guest. Hi, Dave, and welcome to the podcast interview mastery show.
0: Oh, Tibor, thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation.
1: Yeah, Dave, I am super excited to grab your knowledge, grab your brain today about podcasting and becoming a better host and interviewer and share it with the listeners. I'm super excited and I wanted to start this conversation with a question that, so since you're a podcast coach as well, what are some of the things you, you've you seen podcasters struggle with when it comes to interviews or being a better host? I think with interviews, one thing I see
0: is the podcaster forgets that it's their show. And it's this imposter syndrome that a lot of podcasters have. And I have that as well. And where it's like, you feel like the guest, like it's the guest. I'm trying to get the guest to come on my show and hopefully they'll come on my show. And in the end, it's you're in control. There will come a time if you stay at this and there will be a time when people will start asking you, Hey, can I come on your show? I'd like to be on your show. And some people will just take anybody. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Cause in the end, I am all about delivering value. You have to deliver value. And this is where some people, if they want to do multiple shows a week, and if you've got the time to do that by all means, but those shows have to deliver value. And in some cases I will see people take an interview just because they have a pulse and I need somebody cause it's Wednesday and I always deliver on Wednesday. So that is something I, I kind of worry about, because in the end, it all starts with knowing who your audience is so that you can deliver value. And that really boils down to, you know, when you have a guest and you ask somebody to come on your show, really what you're doing is you're connecting their expertise to your audience needs.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting, or I would say important factor. So you're saying you kind of like, or podcasters should start with the audience and getting really clear on that. And then you can become, or you can conduct better interviews, have more specific guests who are a good fit, right? Absolutely.
0: And, one of the things I loved is you didn't ask me, tell me a little bit about yourself, because your audience knows you, they like you, and they trust you. So if you bring Dave Jackson on, you don't have to go into, oh, this guy started in 2005, and he's a Hall of Fame podcaster, and blah, 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 backstory, backstory, backstory. They're good. They know that if you brought me on, I must have some kind of knowledge to, to bring to you. And I see people, they'll spend this huge amount of time introducing the person. And I always say, just tell your audience why you're excited that this person is on, because that's really all they care about. And that is, when you start off with, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, I could say, well, I was born in Akron, Ohio. I delivered the newspaper when I was 13. I mean, like, where do you want me to start? <laughs> a better question is, if I was asking, if I was interviewing you, instead of getting into your backstory, I might say, so T Tibor, tell me when you know you wanted to be a podcaster. Because boom, number one, we're into a story. And number two, I'm starting where I want my, my audience doesn't care about your backstory. And that sounds a little harsh, but they don't until you give them value. And once you deliver some sort of gold nugget, then they're like, wait, who is
1: this Tibor guy? Then I can <laughs> backstory. It's really interesting that you're saying this. And I'm glad actually that you have recognized because this is one of the things I, I've learned recently. And I kind of like wanted to change this because I have been hosting the Mindset Horizon podcast for a year now, and uh, I also wanted to learn more about interviews and how to conduct better interviews uh, with this podcast, having incredible people on the show like you. And so this first question came up a couple of times that it's important that you kind of like have a powerful or, or somehow not too boring first question connected to the person, right? So I know that you have been podcasting since 2005, and then you're a podcast coach. And I was like, you know, what could I ask as a first question? And now I'm telling this so that the listeners can also learn from this. This was some of my learnings in the last couple of weeks. Because my first question, to be honest with you on the Mindset horizon podcast was, okay, talk to us about yourself and how you got there. And uh, I was like, maybe I should just have some kind of a better question as a first question. Sure. Get them going.
0: I, I call it the meat and potatoes because you can say, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, I've been doing this for two years. I've been doing this for blah, blah, blah. My company is this and that. And again, that I always look at it as I when I edit my interviews, and that's the other thing. You can edit it interview. So many people like, oh, I recorded 45 minutes, so I'm going to re- release 45 minutes. And I first I go through and I listen to the question because a lot of times the way I ask the question is horrible. I will because mm-hmm. I open my mouth before I have the question. Now, I have a list of questions, but those are kind of to me, if I'm interviewing somebody, I have my questions off to the left of my desk and I have a blank piece of paper in front of me with a pen that doesn't click. Because the best because if it's clicking, I'm going to click it and that's going to come across the recording and the best questions are typically not the first one. It's the follow up question. So you ask, when did you want to become a podcaster? And they start saying something in the middle of the story. Interviews are tough because as you're listening and that's the key ingredient is to shut up and listen. But as you're listening, you're like, "Ooh, I got to ask them about this. And so now you're trying to remember that follow up question while you're still listening. And then all of a sudden they say something else and you're like, oh, wait, now I have two things I have to remember. Wait, what did they just say? So there's this giant <laughs> scramble of going on in your brain. So the blank piece of paper is to simply write down a word that will trigger me for the follow-up question so I can get back to that most important thing, which is just listening. And so that's what I do. But the problem is I'll have that one word there and I'll say something like, so you were saying it was kind of like when – like you were – What was it like when you did such and such? So all that of me stammering, trying to figure out what the heck I'm trying to say, because in theory, (laughs) shut up and get the question and then open my mouth. I will cut that out. So that's the first thing. I I make the question just the question, or a lot of times we're having a conversation and I'll say something like, I remember I had this time when I did this thing and yada, 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 long, boring story, but it's a conversation. You're having that. Well, my audience doesn't need to hear that because a lot of times, That little conversation is just me reinforcing the point that they just made. So if somebody says, oh, yeah, podcasting is a great way to to sell your own product. Well, I could go, oh, yeah, that's, you know, 80 percent of the people that sign up at the school of podcasting use my coupon, blah, 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 blah. And they don't need to hear that. That guy just made that point. You know, she just made that point. I don't need to to bring that on. So I listen to the question and then I listen to the answer. Because if you get into, and I'm going to put up air quotes that you can't see, if you get into, quote, a big guest, these people are interviewed a lot. And a lot of times you can ask them a question and they just pull their string and out comes the same old question or the same old answer that they've done on every other podcast. And yeah. in, in some cases, they don't answer the question that you, you asked. It'd be like me saying, Tibor, what's your favorite color? And you go, uh, it's about 630. Okay, you gave me an answer but you didn't answer my question. And so a lot, a lot of times I will listen, okay, did they answer the question? And then my second one is, did it bring value to my audience? And if it does, it stays. And if it doesn't, it doesn't.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. I enjoy listening to this very much. And I was just wondering, why didn't they answer the question? Because something came to my mind and it was actually, I went through a coach training program and when we learned about you know asking questions, there was this principle that sometimes it doesn't matter what you ask. The person will answer what they want to answer. And it's kind of like based on their subconscious meta programs and processing. They just give you an answer based on what they think you asked. So, what is your experience with that?
0: <laughs> I think in some cases it depends on why somebody is coming on your show. So today I'm I'm here to have a conversation with you and we're mm-hmm. going to talk about interviewing and podcasting. But other people might come on and they're they're already their main thing is where can I shoehorn a plug for my product? Where can mm-hmm. I talk about my book or where can I do So they're they're looking for that and in the same way that it's super important for the interviewer to listen, I think it's also important for the interviewee, you know, the guest to listen because they're just waiting to, to plug. And that's usually not the best guess. You, you kind of know this person because they'll say things like, well, in my book, I mentioned this. And then you ask them another question. Oh, this is also in my book. And you're like, okay, yeah, we get it. You know, and sometimes what you can do to disarm that is to plug the book up front. And you can say, hey, I'm so excited I'm having this person on the podcast today. She's an award-winning such and such. She's got a new book out about such and such and such and such. It's in the show notes, out at the website, blah, blah, blah. So you've already plugged the book. And that way they kind of go, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about, you know, they've already given me a spot. And uh, we did this before we started. We kind of have a little pre-chat to kind of know, here's who my audience is. Here's who we're talking to. And you can let your guests know, hey, I know you're here to talk about your book. I'm going to give you plenty of time to do that. Uh, so don't worry about it. There'll be plenty of time to, to do that. And if I have somebody who really is trying to turn in my episode into a giant commercial, and this is where awkward conversations are, well, awkward. But on the other hand, if you can make it through that awkwardness, always what happens on the other side is so much better. And if I have somebody, and I, luckily I haven't had to do this, but I've had people that have gone down topics that I told them, I, that's not really where I want to go. And they still Mm -hmm. did. And I will say, Hey, just so you know, we're kind of off the beaten path again, this will be edit point one, but my audience, like for, for me, my audience primarily is interested in audio. And I had a friend of mine, I love him to death. And he came on and started getting into lenses and video and just knee deep into the video side. And I was like, buddy, you, you do know you took a tangent there, right? And I said, I, I don't want to be rude, but I'm probably not going to put that in the episode because my audience isn't really into that. We need to kind of stick back to you're here talking about story, not so much camera lenses. And he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. He goes, that's just my passion. I go, I know, but you're also a storyteller. And that's why you're here. So sometimes you have to remind people. And that was an awkward conversation. Luckily, he was a friend of mine. But, you know, in some cases it gets a little awkward, but, and if they, there are always going to be those people that are just going to say what they want to say. And that's fine. I've been in interviews where somebody will do that. And in my head, I'm just thinking, well, when they're done, I think I'm going to ask this question because whatever they're saying right now is going on the floor because it's never going to make it to my, my audience.
1: Wow. It's really interesting because I wanted to ask you about mistakes or challenges that you had as an interviewer. So this is obviously something uh, that answers that question. And um, like, did you just stop the person and then say kind of like off the record that, hey, this is not something I want to talk about, so switch gears or <laughs> yeah, how do in, you do that? In,
0: in that case, because he was my friend, I just kind of stopped. And he was a podcaster too. That's one advantage I have is doing a podcast mm-hmm. about podcasting. I'm talking to podcasters. But another way you could do that is let's say I start talking about I don't know, race car driving, uh, Tibor, you could go, okay, getting back to podcasting and interviewing, that's a really subtle way of going, mm, Hey, you know, and then you ask your question. So that's a way just an ever so slight shot across the bow of, Hey, remember, we're here to talk about interviews and things like that. Another way, if you have somebody who's gone rogue is you do a little bit of acting and, uh, you're, let's say you're talking and you're off the rails and I go, oh, Tibor, hey, you know what? I hate to be rude. I don't want to interrupt. But if I don't ask you this now, I'm going to forget it. And then you ask the question. So it's, mm-hmm. it it sounds like you're being rude, but really your guest is kind of being rude by going off the rails. So those are some things. And in the case where I had my my friend on, I actually, he had gone so far into the weeds that when I got done, the interview was really Shorter than my typical interview. So what I did in that case was I changed the style of the interview
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: instead of just question, answer, question, answer, I, I kind of call it the NPR style where I kind of told the story and I explained who my guest was and some of their background. And I go, and here's what they thought about so-and-so. And and then I would play his answer. So I just took his answer and kind of weaved a story out of them. And in the process of doing that, it made the interview a little longer and be, it just had a different flow to it. And in the end, I was like, I like that better than what I had. And I actually went out then and I forget the actual topic we're talking about, but I actually interviewed some other people just on that one kind of question. I got more answers for this one question. So I was like, here's my friend, here's what he had to say, and here's what so-and-so said. So again, it was sticking to the main topic that I needed. I just needed more content on that. So I had uh, some friends and I said, hey, what would be your answer to this question? They send in their answer, and I weave those into the story so that's how I kind of saved that particular interview
1: Wow that's that's really interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. I had another experience wanted to share with you that when one of my guests actually stopped me in the conversation that was really awkward. I don't know if you had that experience before, but he he stopped me and 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 uh, he just asked me where I'm going, where I'm heading with the questions and uh, that was just I had just one experience uh, with that, and that was that was really interesting because I didn't know why or, or what's happening.
0: Uh- <laughs> yeah, that's always kind of like, wait, what? So but you can do a lot of things with editing. I did one yeah. with a, a friend of mine, and it was a good interview, but at the end she had this phenomenal story that was super inspirational. And I was like, ah, it's a bummer that people have to sit through 15 minutes to get to that. And I went, well, well why do they? that story alone can stand on its own. And I made that like the second question. So I wasn't making them say something that they didn't say. That's just morally wrong. You don't want to do that. But I was like, I don't want to make my audience wait for this giant golden nugget. I'm just going to put this up towards the front. And people, I remember when I explained that to some people like, wait, you can do that. I go, yeah, as long as you're not, you know, making somebody say something they didn't say, I go, you can arrange this however you want. You get to keep the stuff you like and lose the stuff you don't. And I said, in this case, I really like that. And I just didn't want to have my audience wait. And uh, I still get compliments on that, that they're like, wow, that interview with Monica was great. And I'm like, and that's because I put the good stuff up front.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Editing is huge. And I didn't have this awareness of having that flexibility with editing in the beginning. So I I, I knew I'm going to edit the episode. I, I... just didn't know that I can be so flexible with the content, right? And and this is that this is a great point for the listeners. I think that you know they can be very flexible with changing or moving different parts of the conversation to make it maybe more enjoyable, as you as you said. So, therefore, do you recommend editing your own show? Because a lot of podcasters, as far as I know, they want to outsource editing.
0: Yeah, it kind of depends. Now, here again, I'm a podcaster, so for me that's fun, but it, I do say there's a kind of a seesaw effect. And what I mean by this is the more planning you do and the more research you do on your guest, the better the questions you're going to ask and the better the content. Whereas if I just wing the interview and I'm just like, oh, I'll just we'll just start off. We'll figure it out. Well, there's going to be a lot more editing. So the more planning, the less editing, the less planning, the more editing. So that's a way to keep your editing bill down. I always tell people you should. At least try to edit one once before you hand it off to somebody, because that way you'll have a general idea of Mm -hmm. what it takes and you'll kind of be able to talk the language with your editor and kind of go that route. But uh, I I just, I do believe they all need edited. The people that go, oh, I'm just keeping it real. And I'm like, well, you're keeping it real lazy in my book. Radio people, their brain explodes when you say, if you talk to somebody who's been in radio and you're like, wait, you get to edit and you don't? and they're like, yeah, I'm just keeping it real. Radio people are like, I, I've tripped over my tongue. I've had dead air. I would have loved to be able to go and edit that out. So, but on the other hand, there are no rules in podcasting. If you want to keep it real and just upload what you can, that's fine. But for me, again, I, I kind of picture myself uh, as in front of like a a goal on a, on a soccer slash football field and my audience is in the goal and I've got to take anything that doesn't deliver value and swat it away. I don't want it to get to my audience. So if that means editing out the part where the UPS driver came and you just kept the recording going and you get to listen to me, go get the package. I was like, you gotta (laughs) be kidding me. So, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the more planning, the less editing. And so, I wanted to ask you about uh, preparation for an interview. So how much do you think is needed to prepare? Now it depends, but like, how do you do this? How, How do you, how do you prepare for an interview?
0: Well, if it's an author, I actually read their book and you will be amazed at how many people that do interviews don't read the book and the author will be very, appreciative that when you ask a question, they know if you read the book or not. And they also know if you've read the first few chapters and then just quit. I got to interview uh, this guy named Eric Newsom. He's got a background. He used to work for NPR. He has a great book called uh, Make Noise. And when we got.
1: Yes, reading it.
0: Yeah. And I love he has that great line. He said, when you're when you have a guest, a great place to start is what is one question that only that person can answer? And one of his things, so that was, he, he was a guy with NPR. So I thought, well, what's the one question that only Eric can answer? And I was like, well, how did you get hired at NPR? So that led to a great story and things of that nature. And uh, so reading the book is good. If you want, you can go out to social media and see what they're doing on Twitter and Instagram and things like that. Because you might find out that, oh, wow, you're you're into skiing. I ski as well. And you might find another way to kind of connect with that person. Or, or again, there might be stories to tie into but the more you prepare, the better it's gonna be. My favorite example of that is there's a guy, he's a friend of mine, Jordan Harbinger, does the Jordan Harbinger show. And oh, wow. yeah. he was he was interviewing Kobe Bryant. Now, Kobe Bryant is oh, this, wow. you know, really great basketball player. Unfortunately, he was killed in a helicopter crash about a year ago. But Jordan is interviewing him because uh Kobe's gone on to do many different things in his retirement. And so Jordan is talking to Kobe and all of a sudden he goes, well, you know, I know you're involved a a little bit with Disney and this and that. And Jordan goes, because I know you're into writing in high school. And Kobe's like, yeah. And then Jordan went on and I was like, wait a minute. Who knows that Kobe Bryant was involved in writing in high school? And I'm like, Jordan Harbinger does, because that guy just does a ton of research for every guest that he does. And that's why he gets Number one, a gazillion downloads per episode. And number two, that's how he gets the good guess because it's obvious that he's done the prep. So that was one that I was like, wow, that's when you're talking about Kobe Bryant writing books in high school or, or just writing in general, I was like, that's an amazing amount of uh you know, uh research. So I think in the end it boils down to do as much research as you, you can while keeping your sanity, because I know we still have to eat and sleep and think of that. <laughs> And that's yeah, it has to go back to your other question about, should you edit your own podcast? In the end, pay with the currency you have the most of. So if you have more time, then maybe you should edit your own podcast. If you have more money, then maybe you should pay somebody to, to edit it. That's another factor in that uh, equation.:
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know it's a, it's a great topic because since I've been doing this podcast, I, I get different answers to this question when it comes to preparation. And I don't know how much I should prepare. Like, I, I think I over-prepare sometimes. Well, one thing I, I think about is is quality and quantity, right? So, for example, when it came to growing the podcast, I wanted to release more interviews. Now, if I have more interviews, I might have less time to prepare for an interview. However, I know the better, the more I prepare, the better interviews I can conduct. So I kind of like had this struggle with that, you know, and then, I think this is one of my favorite questions, like how much time you should prepare. If I'm a full-time podcaster, you know, I would I would definitely read the books. What I do sometimes is just going through the table of content of the book so that I know what the book is about, what are some of the chapters, if I don't have the time to read the book. But I feel kind of like that and I feel that I should read the book. Like I want to respect my guests, you know. But it's kind of like um, an interesting balance between. Wanting to do more interviews for the sake of growing the podcast, I would say, and then being a quality interviewer and and doing quality job, which is when it comes to interviews and and preparations, because I've heard people say, you know, curiosity, just don't prepare, follow your curiosity and uh, you will do okay. So I don't know what you think about that, for example, just following your curiosity.
0: Well, that definitely comes into play. So that's where I have typically my five or six questions that I want to ask the person. I start that first question out that gets them going right into where I want to go. And then it's the listening. That's the curiosity. And Mm -hmm. so I was interviewing uh, somebody who had... They were a podcaster, but they were also in the music business. They had actually been on two different major labels. And she was talking about how she started an agency. And she said, I knew I had to do something different and yada, yada, yada. And I wrote down the phrase, something different. That's all I wrote down. And I let her continue her story. And I went back and I said, okay, you said you did something different. What did you do? And so she went into the story. I told people that if you would listen to my CD, I will bring you a coffee. And she goes, and people emailed me back and said, I like cream and sugar. And she goes, and it actually worked. So that's an example of where a Mm follow-up question could be that. The most obvious person that does this, there's a a guy in the US called Larry King. He used to be on, I think it was CNN or CNBC or whatever. If you go to YouTube and type in Larry King, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Seinfeld actually gets a little miffed at him because Larry King asks him, you know, were you fired from your show? And Seinfeld's like, are you serious? Like, you don't know. It was the most important show, you know, in a whole nine yards. And it just made Larry look like an idiot. So, again, curiosity is great. And, you know, you can lead to great questions because you need to be curious. If you're sitting there bored waiting for the Mm -hmm. person to shut up, that's not going to work. But the other thing with the interview, so many people go, should I do interviews or should I do solo shows? And I always go, why is it an either or? Do both. When you do an interview show, you grow your network. So you've got all these cool people. When you do a solo show, you increase your influence because now you're just talking to your audience and you're sharing your thoughts and things like that. I always tell people with interviews, uh, be sure to do, there's a guy in the States named Jerry Springer. He used to have this really stupid show where people would scream and throw chairs at each other. But at the end, after all this mayhem has ensued, Uh, Jerry would come and they'd kind of dim the lights. He's like, what did we learn today? You know, and they'd have this music. And I was like, always have a Jerry Springer moment because you've done a really good job of making your guest look like the expert, but it's still your show. So take a second and go, you know, that was a great interview with Dave Jackson. Here's my biggest takeaways. I really love the fact that blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, you're repeating what they said, but now you're putting your spin on it. And you have Mm -hmm. to be sure that that's quick. Don't, don't, redo the interview because, well, they just heard it. You don't need to repeat everything, but you're sharing why you thought it was good. And this is where you can share, you know, I had a client once that did something like that. So I totally agree with that. I've seen that work in progress. And so by by putting your little timestamp at the end of it, you're still the expert. Yeah, they were here and you hope they share the show. And for the record, most people don't. So don't get upset when your guest doesn't share the episode. Uh, but by putting that little stamp at the end, you're still the expert.
1: Yeah, absolutely. that's that's a great idea. And uh, uh, actually, I was thinking about that for this podcast like just summarizing some of the most important principles I the experts share in these conversations as a summary because you know, in this conversation, we bounce here and there a little bit and I wanna have a casual conversation. But there are some nuggets here and there which can be summarized somewhere. Maybe also in the interview or the beginning of the interview, at least this is what I have done for the Mindset Horizon podcast. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking when it comes to like being a good host, like what are some of the qualities you think are important? So if we think about let's say early stage podcasters and they don't know how what skills they should improve. What are some of the uh, skills that you think are important to become a good host?
0: Well, some of them are somewhat obvious, like, it was great, you showed up right on time, and you'd be amazed at how many people were, I will go on to be a guest, and you're sitting there going, well, it's been 10 minutes, you know, I wonder if they're going to show up. Yeah, it's, uh, and for the record, I I give people a pass, because especially now with this whole pandemic, you know, stuff happens, but if you do make a mistake and you, cause sometimes I know you just forgot. I mean, we're all human, but, th- but that happens. The other thing is, as a, a host, you want to make your, your guest feel at ease. And if they're new to podcasting first, remind them that this is not live radio. It's not going out to everybody if unless you're live streaming it, of course, but you let them know that, and that if they say anything and they don't like the way it sounded, or if they want to do it again, we'll be more than happy to ask the question again. And they can just repeat it. So all this stuff to just make them feel at ease and explain that, you know, here's why I brought you on the show, because I want to talk about this and this and that. And, and it's not a gotcha kind of thing. So you can just sit back and relax. Uh, that's one thing to do. And then the other one is I mentioned how in some cases the guest won't share it. And the number one rule for that typically is because you just did the same interview that they've done 10 times before. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Pat Flynn is a, a super nice guy. He's kind of a friend of mine, and he, I think most people know Pat's story. He had this He was a, a, an architect. He created a test for the Green Academy, and you know, he now makes gazillions of dollars, and that's his story. And if I bring Pat on my show and have him go through that story, Pat is not going to share that to his audience because his audience already knows his story. You have to ask a different set of questions that maybe haven't been asked before, but are still gonna deliver value. And that's why interviews are not as easy as you think. It's like, oh, just ask the same old stuff. Well, they're not gonna share it. And if the goal of having a guest is to get them to share the interview, then you have to not only deliver value to your audience, but you have to deliver value to the guest audience. So, and then you have to make it easy. I have some people like, hey, your show is live. And I'm like, okay. And then especially if it's been months, I've had that where somebody will interview me in January and then come June. They're like, hey, your episode is live. And I'm like, great. Who are you again? (laughs) And and so if you can give me a link, uh, if if you can give me a graphic to share, that would be awesome. You really want it to be just drop dead easy to share because the and I'm going to put up air quotes again, the bigger the guest, the chances are they're busy. And so you just want to make it easy, like copy, paste, click, go. There you go. Share it uh, as opposed to, hey, the episode's live. Hope you can figure out where the website is and et cetera, et cetera. So that would be another thing as a host. And then the other thing I think that people kind of drop the ball on, and I'm I'm waving my hand, I'm bad at this too, is if the goal of the interview is to increase your network, you should probably reach out every now and then just to touch base and go, hey, I just want to let you know the. You know, the episode's been up for six months. We just went over 500 downloads. And I just want to thank you again for doing that. How's everything going on your neck of the woods? Wow, just keep that, that network going. And so that it's not a case where they go, hey, the episode's live. And they go, wait, who are you again? I was on your show. Are you sure? That kind of thing. Keep that uh, that network going a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I love those uh, principles. And um, I was wondering if I should actually send more follow-ups after the interview. Um, so what I send after the interview is an email when the episode is actually coming out, but I've, I've heard people say, for example, uh, follow-up after the interview and then one email when the episode is out. So I think it's, 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 it's really nice and shows that you, you care, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I don't need to know that it's coming out in two days. So I'm like, let me know when it's, give me, you know, I can't, promote to my audience hey it's coming out in two days because they're gonna like what's coming out in two days well I can't show you because it's not here yet and the other thing if you have somebody who's again air quotes here a big guest uh, you might ask them and say hey thanks so much for coming on the show do I send when this is live I'm going to send you some links and I'll send you a graphic should I just send that to you or is there somebody else in the marketing department that I should send that to because sometimes they'll have a team member and then be like, oh, yeah, you need to send that to, you know, Steve or Marjorie or whoever. And you're like, oh, great. Uh, do I have their email address? You know, just set that up because what you're doing is set the expectation that I do expect you to promote this if possible. So that's another little trick you can kind of do to uh, make sure that you're getting the the information to the right people.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing came to my mind, which is before I hit the record button, we talked about interview flows and, and having a prepared interview flow or a, a interview flow for, for each of the guests.
0: What some people will do, again, going back to setting expectations, and you did a great job of this, of, of letting me know how to work with, in this case, we're using Zencaster for this. Uh, you might need to remind people you know, to wear headphones so there's no echo problems. Use the best microphone you have available. Don't do it in a big, boomy room with no carpet and glass everywhere. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> if you can, don't be on Wi-Fi. Be on a direct connect. You're just setting the expectation that I know this is a podcast, and at times the kind of stereotype of of a podcast is some guy named Earl in his mom's basement who wants to talk about Star Wars. But this is something a little more serious, and I do want this to sound as good as possible. So you're just setting that expectation that hey, this is what's expected of you. You know, if if you're using some other program that requires Chrome. You just, you want to avoid any kind of, you know, mishap. What I do is I I have not a ton, but I do have people that are like, I would love to come on your show, which is kind of interesting because I just met you. Like you sent me a thing and my favorite is they will tell me how they've cured cancer and they've, yeah, like I've done everything. I invented sliced bread, but they never talk about my audience. They never connect their expertise. It's just like, look how great I am. It's not... Uh, which proves that they didn't listen to my show. If they said, hey, I heard you talk about this in the past. I'm an expert in so-and-so. If you ever want to talk about this, I'd love to be on your show. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so it's always just a pitch about me, not how my audience can benefit. And so what I've done is if I have somebody that I go, well, this sounds like it would fit. I would say, hey, I would love to interview you. But being that I just met you, I do reserve the right to not publish our episode. If you're Mm -hmm. okay with that, I'll be happy to have you, you know, on the show and we'll, we'll talk. And if they're confident that they can deliver value to my audience, they don't have a problem with that. I've only had one yeah. person. that's like, well, that's not going to be cool if you don't publish it. And I'm like, well, it's not going to be cool if you waste my time with a bunch of content that doesn't fit my audience. Have you listened to my episodes? And they're, and I never heard back. And it was just, I call that the spray and pray approach. These are people that are trying to be guests on other shows and they just, they come up with a, you know, a couple of paragraphs about how great I am and they just shoot it to everybody and just like, yeah, that's not going to work.
1: Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's, that's a great advice. Never heard about something like that before, to be honest, but that's, that's really great.
0: Well, my favorite is I had somebody, it was a, an actual company that helps people get on podcasts. There are a ton of these coming out now. Yes. And yes. She, was, she was promoting a real estate marketer to a podcast about podcasting. And I was like, and and I I emailed back, I go, now, does this person, are they using podcasting to promote their real estate? And they're like, no, but she's, you know, she's a business person and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah, I do a podcast about podcasting. We don't talk about real estate and it just so wasn't a fit. And I was like, wow. So, and that was just one, I was like, well, thank you, but no thanks. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And then and I also had some, some similar experiences. Uh, more and more agencies are, are reaching out uh, to podcasters. I think one thing I developed, um, maybe it's useful for the listeners, is, is an application form where I ask the people to fill out and then I have some questions connected to the show to see if they are, if they are a good fit. And I know if someone you know takes the time to fill out the form they are already committed to being a guest on the show. Otherwise, they are either not a good fit or they are not committed. They are just looking for some kind of a podcast to be a guest on. And um, I wanted to ask you about some of your excitements. I know you have an upcoming book, if I'm not mistaken. So it's The Profit From Your Podcast.
0: Yeah, that's a book. Uh, it's kind of weird. I've never worked with a publisher before. I've had books before, but this was one where they approached me and said, "Would you like to write a book on podcast monetization?" And I was like, "Well, I've never worked with a pod. sure, sure. Let's let's do this." So yeah, I wrote it uh, about a year ago, which was again a little surprising when I got done in September, and I was thinking it was going to be out by Christmas. And they're like, "Nah, it's going to be out probably in July." And I was like, "Wait a minute, how come it takes nine months to make a human and ten months to make a book? Like, what's up with that?" Uh, and then COVID hit, which pushed it back and pushed it back. But yeah, it's coming out September 28th, Profit from your profitfromyourpodcast.com. I interviewed, there's insights from probably 70 different podcasters in there on everything from, because everybody jumps on ads. So I want to create a podcast and get ads. That's really not the best way to make money with your podcast. The best way is to create a product that fits the needs of your audience because they know you, they like you, they trust you. So when you say, hey, I have a new course, that will do yada, 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 or I've got a new book, or I'm doing a webinar, or whatever it is, your audience wants more of you, not so much another Geico ad. So uh, not that ads are bad, but the, and the people that are actually making a living with a podcast don't just do ads, and they don't just do affiliate marketing, they don't do just products, they have them all. And then mm-hmm. they might have crowdfunding, and that's my favorite, everybody always talks about Patreon, and I always say, you do realize the word is crowdfunding. It's not fund crowding. The first part of that is crowd. And you have people with 18 downloads trying to start a crowdfunding event. <laughs> and and I understand I, I've fallen into this trap. You're like, well, if I could get 50% of my audience and I have 500 people, that's 250 people. And if they all give me 10 bucks, that's $2,500. And it's like, yeah, but you're not going to get 50%. And they're like, no, and, I'm like, and you're not going to get 20%. Really? And you're not going to get 10%. And they're like, wait, hold on. And you go, if you're really, really good, you're going to get 3%. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. And I'm like, okay. And then they start it and they go, wow, I got you know 2.5%. Uh, there's a, a really popular podcast called Radio Lab. And it's one of those where at the end, they they thank the team of 18 and they were doing a drive and they were trying to get up to 1%. And that's a super popular show. And I was wow. like, you're not going to get 50, 20, 10%. And so I always say it's it's step one is crowd and then work on the fun if that's the route you, you want to go. And for me, crowdfunding kind of plays in when you have a podcast that doesn't fit a product. So if I'm doing a running podcast, I can sell shoes. If I'm doing a podcast about podcasting, I can sell microphones or coaching services or things like that. But if I'm doing a podcast about inspiring stories to lift people up, I'm not quite sure that there's an immediate product that comes to mind. And that's where something like crowdfunding can come into play.
1: Wow, that's pretty useful. So your book is coming out soon, Profit From Your Podcast uh, really exciting. And, you know, out of curiosity now, I just wanted to ask you, what keeps you going in the podcasting world after more than 15 years, right? Yeah, it really is. I, I said this back in
0: 2005 when I started. I, I just remember what, what really blew me away is I was doing my very first podcast was for musicians. That's one of my backgrounds. And I was doing this podcast. And I got a voicemail from Michael Van Laar from Nuremberg, Germany. Now, I'm at the time, I was in Magador, Ohio, which, feel free, everybody goes, where? And I'm like, exactly. It's me in the cabin. (laughs) And I'm in my brother's basement, and there's some guy on the other side of the planet that not only found my podcast, but (laughs) liked it. And that's when I went, whoa, this is a global audience. And as a musician, we were all like, if I could just get my stuff in stores, but you couldn't get distribution. And I went, wow, we have distribution. And then the fact that it's kind of geeky. So you get to play with microphones and websites and things like that. My background is in teaching. I taught in the corporate world for decades and I taught a lot of Microsoft office and I actually, I'm old enough to where I taught people like how to send email because they didn't know what it was. So I've I've been in this a long time. So it's, it's worldwide. It's kind of geeky. And then I get to help people. So again, my, my teaching itch gets scratched by just helping people. And yeah, when you put those together, it's, it's phenomenal. And I started a, uh, a segment of my show called because of my podcast, because I kind of got tired of just telling people, you need to start a podcast. You don't know what you're missing. And so I asked my question. I just said, Hey, if you ever have an answer to the question because of my podcast blank, just send mm-hmm. it in. And so it's great. Cause you'll have all these people like, Oh, I got to hang out with Alice Cooper last night. And hey, I, I got, uh, you know, I've sold more product than I have in years. And I've done this and that. And so it's a way of being a commercial for podcasting. And then, of course, I go, come on and go, hey, join the school of podcasting.com. But it's one of those things that every time I hear one of those, I'm like, okay, this is a listener of mine. And while it's, it's not me doing that, there is a small bit of my thumbprint on their podcast. So wow. that, uh, that kind of, uh, I don't have any kids. Uh, I, many moons ago tried to have kids and my wife at the time, and I couldn't have kids. And so I kind of see podcasting as my legacy in a way, this is the way I'm going to kind of put my thumbprint on the world so that, uh, someday when I head to the big, uh, microphone in the sky, uh, there'll be something behind to, uh, to carry on.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Really inspiring. And thank you so much for sharing that. I think my last question is what's the best way to connect with you? Sure. My main website is schoolofpodcasting.com.
0: I've got all my episodes out there. I think I'm up to 737. I've got my contact information. Of course, you can join the School of Podcasting out there as well. If you want more kind of all things Dave, I have a website powerofpodcasting.com that has most of my uh, podcasts on there and you can check me out there as well.
1: Wow. That's amazing. 737. Dave, it's, it's a huge pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Tibor, thank you so much. This was a blast. I'm so glad you asked me.
1: I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, make sure to join the podcast Interview Nation community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview Nation. If you want to check out the detailed show notes, book recommendations, interview tips, and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.